Welcome to the XA Podcast, the show that brings together the people that foster inclusive innovation across Southeast Asia. My name is Belinda Ong, and I am the Managing Director of the XA Network. Every episode, one of XA's members will lead a fireside chat or panel discussion with other members, founders, or investors that have shaped the tech ecosystem in this vibrant region. If you like what we have to say, please follow or subscribe to our show. And do remember to tell your friends and rate us five stars so others like you can find and benefit from all of our great content. Show notes are linked in the episode description and you'll find notes and additional resources there. Welcome Exit Community and SID members. Today is the third installment in our series on startup board leadership and governance. This series is brought to you as part of a collaboration between the XA Network and the Singapore Institute of Directors. Thank you, Belinda, uh, for setting the stage and good afternoon, everyone. Um, as you may recall, in the second episode, we covered board structures within startups. Uh, today's session will focus on exploring paths to becoming a board director. We will discuss various avenues and approaches that a qualified technology leader or operator may wish to consider if they intend to serve as a director of a company. While we're focusing on the technology leader as a focal point here, I suspect much of the discussion will be relevant to non-tech operators as well. Joining the discussion today, we have the pleasure of hosting two seasoned experts. We have Suyen Wong and Howie Lau. Suyen is chairperson of the Singapore Institute of Directors, and she serves on the boards of several listed companies, family businesses, high growth startups, and government linked organizations, both in Asia as well as North America. She chairs or is a member of various nominating, remuneration, and audit committees, and she brings experience in business strategy, human capital development, and organization transformation. She's a lead independent director at Yoma Strategic Holdings and a board director at First Resources, CSE Global, and IMDA. She's also an adjunct professor of leadership at the National University of Singapore Business School and an active member of the Young Presidents Organization and Women Corporate Directors. Welcome, Suyan. Thank you. Glad to be here. Howie is managing partner of corporate development and partnerships for NCS Group with oversight over marketing, communications, partnerships, M&A, ESG, and government relations. Prior to his role at NCS, he was the assistant chief executive of Infocom Media Development Authority of Singapore, a government agency responsible for the technology, telco, and media industries, as well as Singapore's digital economy. He was previously the head of consumer business and chief marketing officer at Starhub and corporate vice president of corporate development at Lenovo. He serves on a number of boards and advisory committees and graduated from NUS. He has been recognized as IT leader of the year in 2020 by Singapore Computer Society and received the Philip Cutler Marketing Excellence Award in 2018 and NUS Outstanding Alumni Award in 2009. Welcome, Howard. Thanks, Lisa. Great, let's dig in. Um, 
So Yen and Howie, I think it's appropriate to ask you to take us through the story of how you first secured your initial board director role. So Yen, would you like to kick us off? Sure, happy to. Thanks, Reza. Um, actually, the funny thing is I actually turned down the first couple of board roles that came my way. Um, and the reason really was that I didn't feel that the fit was right. And therein actually lies a huge lesson for me, which is around choosing the right board to serve on. Um, but in any case, when I finally said yes to one, it was actually um, with great um, forethought because it was for the National Kidney Foundation, which at the time um, was still um, trying to recover from some of the challenges that it had faced. Uh, long story short, I mean, I think that experience really taught me not to shy away from difficult situations, but at the same time to go in um, with just a real attitude of learning from, you know, what really is now a very professionally run uh, board uh, and to really learn learn from some of the best that were around the board table. So so that's my story. Yeah. And, and how did you come across that opportunity? It sounds like it's a nonprofit. Well, it was a nonprofit, correct, Suyen? Yes, it's a nonprofit. That's actually Singapore's uh, largest nonprofit in terms of the reserves that they have. Um, I put up my hand... Um, to the Center for Nonprofit Leadership um, because I was curious about board roles. It was curiosity. I, you know, I didn't really know much about board roles. And I said, well, this might be interesting. I'm going to give it a try. Um, and, and that's really how the first couple of roles came. And then and then eventually the uh, National Kidney Foundation role came about as well. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Suyen. Um, Howie, Howie, how about you? Well, it looks like uh, Suyen and I have uh, slightly different, very different starting points because Suyen turned down the first couple. I jumped at the first one. Um, I didn't really know what it was, but when it came, I was like, and it was for university. It was uh, NUSISS. And um, I think if you're going to ask me how I got asked, was I think because the IT industry is small, and I've always been involved with the National Association for, for IT, the Singapore Computer Society. Um, and I got a call and says, hey, look, you know, we're looking for a new board member for for the organization, would you like? And before the question ended, I said yes. Um, the Because there was this like, hey, you know, it's pretty cool, it's my my first board. Um, but I think the learning like uh, Suen is I got in and I really started to panic because I didn't know what was expected. And uh, the constant ring in my head was, how can I add value? Uh, because it became very clear that it's not just a label that you put on yourself, but it's a responsibility to to bring some value. So, so then I, I, yeah, I, I took the other path. I was the eager beaver and then I uh, had to learn the hard way. So, so maybe Howie, just following up on what you just said, uh, do you remember what that first experience was like for you and how it perhaps was different than your expectations going in? Um, I think the, back then, the, the, the little bit I understood about board was that it was meant to go in to be an advisor. Of sorts um but as i went in i realized that from all the other board members because as i think the board was well run because it was staggered membership uh, staggered, staggered um staggered tenure um you realize that every one of the board members was actively leaning in to contribute uh to the to the uh, to to nusiss so i at that point of time i was uh, thinking very hard what is the value that i could bring uh, to be helpful for for that for that board and the, the, the management. So 
the expectation it was just purely advisory, I think it has to be double-clicked. So the learning for me is that it goes beyond just saying a couple of things, but being actively involved in knowing the business and actively thinking uh, and participating in the conversation so that you're able to contribute. I think the other thing that uh, kind of uh, wasn't, I wasn't prepared on was amount of homework that you needed to do because the board deck will come and the board deck will be packed. Uh, and the, obviously the expectation was everybody went for a meeting having read every other line and every other appendix uh, except for me. Um, and then I realized that if you want to be effective, then there's a lot of time committed beyond the, just the meeting time. Uh, Suyan, how about you? What was your expectations versus what you got at, at the National Kidney Foundation? Yeah, so um, having been in operating roles, right, on the management side of things, that was really my only sort of frame of reference. So I guess I didn't really know what to expect. Um, and when I went, and I think this is true for anybody who joins the board for the first time, by definition, you're the newest person on the board, right? Because you've just joined the board. Um, and so everyone on the board there was already ahead in terms of understanding the organization, understanding the issues. So I felt like in the beginning stage it was really important for me to do a lot of homework, to really get up to speed. And this is true till today for every single new board that I join, right? Every single new board requires that same uh, learning curve um, to understand the business, to understand the issues, to, to know the people. Um, but uh, what I got from the experience was number one, the value of, and, and, and actually the joy of learning something um, or a business or an industry that's very, very different. Uh, and then second was then I, besides the learning, I observed a lot. Um, and I've come to appreciate that every board is different, the dynamics are different, uh, and that comes from trying to understand the relationship between the board and management, management with each other, the board members and each other. Um, so I would say that um, I didn't go in with any particular expectations, um, but my experience was really around learning and observing. And and Suyen and Howie, give us a little bit of context as to sort of when you got involved in your first uh, role in terms of where were you in your career um, in terms of operating experience and other things? I started, um, I, I guess what people would call relatively early. Um, I was uh, in an executive role. I was uh, you know, running the region. And this was something that I was doing, I guess in contemporary terms, you would call it a side hustle right, or a gig on the side. Um, and, and the reason for that really was because I, I thought it would be beneficial um, for me to start learning sooner rather than later. I think the traditional view of board directors is changing. The traditional view is sort of, okay, you know, you finish your executive career and then this is your quote unquote retirement job. But I, I don't think that holds true anymore. Um, yes, of course, there are people who fit that mold, but there are equally a lot of people who start uh, the board journey a lot uh, sooner. And I guess I, I fell into that category. I, I am still in that category of still having a day job and uh, the side hustles with the bots. So um, that's where I started and uh, that's where I, I still am. And I think the the uh, beyond the usual uh, uh, balance in terms of time and allocation and all that um, is the constant learning on multiple fronts because different bots have different dynamics, different, uh, uh, different considerations. Uh, for example, I think kind of related to Suen's earlier point, uh, the Science Center bot, I am now in my sixth year and we just welcome a couple of new IDs and they are like trying very hard to learn. Whereas you've been around for a while, you kind of know all the 
acronyms, the terms, it's a lot easier. And uh, we're playing our part to try and help the, the newer ones get up to speed as well, because I think the learning curve is steep with, with any joining of any board. Uh, but for me, I started with uh, having a day job. It was a side hustle. Uh, the And right now, it still remains the same for me. Howie, um, sort of on that point, I guess uh, uh, being a board director is a fancy and glamorous title and, and a sign of accomplishment, let, let's, let's face it. So beyond the fancy title and the acknowledgement, is, is this the right role for every type of experienced operating leader in, in your view, or are there specific types that uh, would be more of a natural fit? Um, there may be a view that, hey, look, um, the board role is when you retire and it's going to be a cushy four meetings a year. Um, you get nice lunches, say a couple of intelligent sounding things, and then you get perhaps a little bit of allowance. Um, I think the context has changed tremendously because the level of uh, responsibility and accountability on the board directors has, in, has increased tremendously. Lastly, because the industries have changed, the pace of industries have changed. So I, I don't think it's a fit for everyone. Uh, in fact, uh, the I think a number of folks do now evaluate board offers more judiciously because you want to be able to step in be able to bring value, be able to make discerning uh, and uh, and well-informed uh, recommendations. Um, and it's no longer, uh, not that it ever was, but it's it's not a, uh, a simple job uh, as some might perceive it to be, because there could be a perception that this is something you finish at the end of your exact career, it's something to tail off and still remain engaged. I know a couple of friends uh, ask me that when he says, you know, I like to get on the board. I say, why? Oh, something to pass my time. It's no longer that, uh, not that it ever was. So I, I would say it doesn't fit everyone because the amount of responsibility is is a lot higher. Yeah, I, I would concur with Howie's points. Yeah. And I would add that as a director, be mindful about the risk, the personal risk that you are liable for, um, whether it's jail time or fines, uh, this is real. <laughs> Uh, and, and regulators are, uh, I think, increasingly um, taking a stricter line. Of course, every jurisdiction is a little bit different, so that's another dimension. Um, but you know, I, I think it's not something that you want to go into lightly. You go into it because it's something that you want to do, uh, and because you want to contribute to the company, you want to help its performance, you want to make sure that the company's doing the right thing, and, and so forth. Uh, but no, definitely, I, I agree with how we don't do it because it just seems like a nice thing to do. There are a lot of other nice things to do uh, that probably require less work and also um, re reduce the amount of liability that you personally have to take on. Yeah, if you Google or chat GPT, director's responsibility and implications, you probably find a lot of case studies. Uh, I think there was one uh, in, in Australia that is still ongoing where the, there is a, a scrutiny and of uh, whether the boss did take the actual due diligence uh, instead of just trusting the management report. Uh, so it's a very gray line because if you're not able to trust the management report, then to what level of due diligence do you need to go to? So that could set a new 
new benchmarks in terms of what board directors' responsibility will be? Yeah, I think also we should be um, maybe just make a point that there are lots of kinds of organizations that have boards. Um, so obviously the duty of care is different. Uh, I mean, you, you, there is a duty of care regardless of what organization it is, but the regulations and legislation requirements are different if you're a listed company compared to being a charity. Uh, obviously, if you're on the board of a startup, again, it's different. The dynamics are all quite different. So um, I think very often we sort of have this mindset that we're only talking about listed companies, but that's also not true. Um, in fact, for charities, because you're taking public funds, there's equally just as much scrutiny to make sure that the funds are being used responsibly. Yes, in, in one of the episodes, I think it was the second episode, we talked about sort of a board director's role being sort of hands-off operationally, but nose in, right? Being able to smell anything that might be going on that um, uh, that could be improved or could cause a liability for the company and, and the directors. Um, so that seems to be like, you need to have a stronger sense of smell if, these days with the number of things that the board is responsible for. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with that. And plus, I mean, to Howie's point earlier, um, part of it's just that the pace of change is immense, which just means you got to run really fast to keep up. So let's, let's bring it to the crux of the sort of the topic. Let's say I'm an experienced tech operator and I've done my internal reflection and decided that I want to jump into a, a board director role and commit the time and the hours that, that is required. Why would anyone want to hire me to sit on their board if I've never done it before? Well, I would say that if I pull back and look at organizations overall, whether it's a large company, a listed company, a, a medium-sized company, or a charity, um, everyone has, uh, every almost every board has this huge knowledge gap in terms of digital and tech, right? So you talk about digital literacy of boards, and that's a huge gap that needs to be closed. So, you know, I think if you're coming in from a tech leader perspective, you can add value because you can provide that perspective. Again, tech's very broad. So, of course, it depends on the specifics. You know, a company, an FMCG is going to need something very different than an industrial company and so forth. Um, but there is a huge need for any organization to be leveling up and therefore, by extension, the boards to also be leveling up in terms of the digital savvy. And maybe if I just, just add into that, the... If you look at it from a demand standpoint, uh, you can form a view in Singapore that the demand has gone up for a few reasons. One is that purely from a regulatory standpoint, the new amendments to the nine-year rule means that there will be more bots going out there to say uh, members that have been uh, hitting the nine years I now need to refresh. So that will drive some incremental demand. Uh, secondly, uh, kind of related to Suen's point is that uh, increasingly, boards are recognizing the need for increasing the digital quotient uh, because the world, whether you're in, in tech, you're in finance, you're in, in uh, retail, you're in farming, tech has become a core element. And even if it's not tech as a, uh, an opportunity statement, tech as a defensive statement in the area of cyber as part of your enterprise risk management, it's becoming front and center. So the demand goes up. Because of that as well, especially for folks that are able to bring their digital know-how and the digital quotient to the board. And I would say the third is that increasingly we're seeing boards recognizing the value of better diversity. I'm sure you read reports that, hey, look, there's perhaps still too many boards without diversity, uh, whether it's from a gender standpoint or from other perspective. But increasingly we're seeing boards going like, hey, look, we do need to start building a, a more diverse board. And I think that increases demand as well. 
Thanks, Howie. So, so if I were to paraphrase, it sounds like there are two buckets of companies that that might be interested in me as a as a tech technology operator. Uh, one, sort of the traditional companies, which might need some digital quotient on their board to really understand how to either be offensive or defensive, as as Howie mentioned. And then, obviously, the tech set of companies or technology companies who might want my expertise as somebody who's being either a CTO or a CMO or a CXO at an operating company for a while. But I still want to double click on this. How, as a first time prospective board member, how would I go about finding a company that would want somebody without board experience? How do I find that fit? So Yen, would you like to take a crack at that question? I think the, the first thing is to get yourself prepared. Um, it's, yeah. it's quite a big personal risk to just think that, well, I can just slide into a board role, right? So I, I think it's important to think about board roles as sort of um, professions unto themselves. So you wouldn't just go into a new profession without any form of learning, right? So invest in your learning, take some professional development programs, learn about what it takes to be a board director. SID has loads of those so that you bring in that foundational understanding of what does it take to be on a board. So you're not going in green. So that helps the board to de-risk because the board now says, okay, this person's at least been through a number of foundational core modules. They understand governance, they understand director's duties, they understand the financials, the accounting, they understand strategy, understands all these different components. So by bringing this person in, even if they don't have board uh, experience, I can feel comfortable that they at least understand what it's going to take. So I would say that's probably the first step. You do need the muscles and those muscles don't come naturally. Uh, the second part is, Visibly, there you have muscles uh, because it's not natural that people know that you have muscles. Um, so there are different ways. One is obviously I'll do a plug for SID as well. You know, get plugged into the professional network because that's where the conversations of board directorship, uh, professional memberships and all this come in. Uh, the nature of the world today is everyone looks at your LinkedIn. Um, everyone recognizes your LinkedIn. Hopefully it's an N plus one and not an N plus five. So that part has to be, be built up properly. Uh, getting that profile built uh, through external events, through speaking opportunities, through other ways where you build up that, that visibility of your muscles. If I flip it the other way around, where, where and how do bots think about choosing? Uh, one is that obviously they want to find folks that have the muscles uh, because every bot is worried that if I bring, let's say, Howie in and he doesn't, know the basics of governance, he doesn't add value, that's a liability for the entire board. So typically the boards would go to sometimes to organizations like SID to say, you know, can I leverage your board advisory service to find out who's out there? For very senior board positions, for large cap, they will go to a search firm. Uh, and if you're not on their Rolodex, they'll probably look for you online somewhere as well. Um, and then third is also by reputation and word of mouth. Um, it, it still happened quite quite a fair bit because folks will go like, hey, look, uh, we have two IDs that is uh, up for renewals. Guys, do you have a recommendation? Then everyone goes back to their memory banks to see who have I met recently uh, that might fit the role. I think just to underscore another point that Howie made, which is what some boards do is they actually list their board openings. Um, with SID, which then broadcast that to its membership base. So to be very specific, 
So if you're a member and you see these listings and you say, well, that looks like an interesting company. I think I have the skills to be and the to be able to contribute, then you can apply for those specific roles. So that's how the supply and demand get matched up. Thanks, Suyan. So, so it seems like there are mainly two factors. One is preparedness, which is what you started talking about, Suyan. And the other one is visibility, right? Howie, I think you, you touched on this. Um, and I guess one of the other methods that came up on previous uh, podcasts was getting involved in an advisory capacity as a preparation for board capacity, almost as a stepping stone. Um, have you seen that work out well, um, Howie? Um, yes, because it, it does kind of signal that you are ready and then you have the muscles. Um, and in a way, those could be lower, slightly lower entry points. But I think I would just maybe add that the, the expectations or responsibility is, is similar. Perhaps the personal liabilities and all that may be lesser as compared to a board position. But um, I, I would suggest that it's, it's not necessarily one of less liability. Uh, in fact, you do really need to understand the space well to contribute. Uh, but advisory roles do, do help as well. So, so, so yeah, once I actually got a board role, how would I prepare for my first board role? And when would this preparation ideally commence, right? Sometimes uh, that journey takes a while. It's not like just flipping the switches to go, oh, I want a board role and the next week a board role shows up. But I think if you lay that foundation, so that learning takes a while, um, and then you build your network within the community. That also takes a while. You build your visibility, as, as how we mentioned. Uh, and then you eventually get into a, perhaps a, a, a smaller board, a smaller organization. And then you work your way over time um, to maybe a more complex organization and then eventually maybe to a listed company. So it's a pathway, right? Think about it. Uh, think about it as just like any other profession as a tech leader you didn't get there overnight right you've built your skill sets and your experience over some period of time um i think it's very much the same with directorship if you think about it as a profession it's a 10 15 20 year journey so start in the foundational stages and then build up the experience portfolio because a lot of board work uh, is experiential um it's a little bit like you know how do i explain this if you're a lawyer you can understand the law but the application of the law really depends on the number of cases that you've seen and enough variety of situations so that you actually know how to interpret the law, right, for example. So it's a bit the same with board directorship. You know, you can have all the book knowledge, which important fundamental starting point, um, but the application of the knowledge really is experiential, right? So that's part of what takes that time to sort of build out that experience portfolio. So never too early to start that process. Maybe I can just share a personal conversation I had uh, because in one of my earlier organizations, uh, I attended a board meeting and a wise man sat next to me and said a couple of things because he wanted to introduce me to the different board members in the company. He says, uh, he watched the next three hours of board meetings. You will find three categories of board members. Category number one, uh, which is the highest category is the work adding uh, board members because they will ask for more information, ask for more follow-ups, asking a lot of work adding. So, um, then the second category uh, that may overlap with the first category is what he calls the HOV category. Uh, so I say, what is a HOV category? He says, oh, um, this set of board members like to hear their own voices. Uh, so they will say something. Uh, doesn't matter what they say, they will say something, even if it's like chairman, I really concur with what you just said, and then goes to repeat what the chairman said. Um, then the third category, um, 
is the one that says these are the ones to learn from because these are the ones that are not work adding, not HOV, but value adding because they're really thinking, they've done their homework and um, they do want to take this seriously and, and add to it. The last little bit at the end of the meeting, uh, this wise man said to me that, um, did you notice that the less they know, the more strategic sounding the question is? Because it's easy to ask a strategic or make a strategic comment if you don't really know the details of it. Uh, it's a lot easier to say, Risa, thank you for the presentation. In my years of experience, I think it is time to really innovate and innovate hard with optionalities. Thank you. Um, that's generally a sign that the, this is probably a HOV director. Uh, so that has stuck with me. So when I take on boards, I constantly ask myself, am I just saying something because I want to mark my attendance? Uh, or uh, am I really uh, trying to lean in to add some value to it? Thanks, Harwich. I'm not going to say I completely concur with you. <laughs> so um, actually moving on, what kind of a sort of a compensation should I expect as a first time board member or should I be expecting any compensation? Suyen? Yeah, it, uh, it really depends on the nature of the organization. Again, think about this yeah. as, a, as a long journey. So if you start up a nonprofit organization, chances are you're serving pro bono. Um, if it's a social enterprise, you might get a little bit. Um, and then it, it tend, the compensation tends to be directly related to the complexity of the organization. So if you're going with a very complex organization, high risk, so financial institutions, director compensation tends to be higher in those organizations. So it's it's really dependent on, on what type of organization it is. And of course, if, you, if you're advising a startup, obviously there's probably very little cash, maybe some equity involved. So um, very hard to generalize. Um, I would say that director fees, however, are, um, are, are not at a level that you want to do it because of the fees. Um, you do it because, again, it's an organization that you, you buy into the vision, you want to help transform it, and, and so on and so forth. And when you add on the potential risk that one takes, again, you, you have to sort of take the fees out of that equation a little bit. The majority of uh, Singapore-listed companies are small and mid-caps, and at the small mid-cap level, uh, somewhere between um, 40 to 60 to 80,000 per year, somewhere around there would be our SID survey figures. Thanks, Suyan. Howie, um, how do I make sure I'm doing a good job at my first board role? Um, are there benchmarks or standards that I should be shooting for? Um, and, and how do I know if I'm actually achieving those benchmarks or standards? I think the starting point is uh, choosing yeah. correctly the ones you can join because uh, I wouldn't repeat what I did previously by jumping at the first one. Uh, I'll probably be a lot more delicious, uh, like Suen, to say, can I really value add in, in that board based on my experience? Uh, if I can't, then it's probably not. And then second is uh, to, to get the... The training ahead of time and it could be as simple as just going to some online courses to to get that going um and the ability to really understand that business and industry would be helpful because then you can bring your experience together what's happening in the industry uh to to bring something constructive uh something that you can value add to the conversation um i would suggest that obviously the first couple of board meetings uh read the board materials at least two times uh, because it will take you a while to really understand uh, the nuances as well and then I think the third one is that the whatever opportunity you have to start building a relationship with the other board members, uh, do grab it as a new board director because 
the board dynamics is going to be important. The management dynamics is going to be important. The earlier you get opportunities, because sometimes you go to meetings and you just go straight into the agenda without having an opportunity to really understand each other. Uh, so finding opportunities to really catch up uh, even beforehand will be useful. I completely concur with everything that Howie just said. I would add two points. One is that when you join a board, while your value add may be along a particular dimension, whether it's tech or um, human capital or sustainability, let's say you have a particular area that's value adding, that's great. But recognize that when you're on the board, you're actually accountable for the organization as a whole, which means that it doesn't matter whether you're comfortable with financials or not, you have to be comfortable with financials, right? So you have to look at the enterprise across the board, across all the functions which you may not necessarily have had a lot of exposure to. So it comes back to learning, right? So make sure you level up on that. The second thing I would say is that on a board, um, effectiveness of an individual director is not just about the knowledge that you have. That's sort of the table stakes. The second dimension is then how do you actually convey your position? How do you influence? How do you persuade? What are the different mechanisms that the board makes decisions together? Uh, and that is much more not just the what you know, but how you go about it. Um, sometimes you see directors who are technically very strong, but if they're unable to actually use the power of influence, because that's all boards are. Boards are all about influence. You don't control anyone, right? Uh, then they actually are unable to value add in the way that they potentially could. Thank you, Sian. So not just about the expertise, but about broad knowledge of various things you need to know as a board member, but also how to influence uh, the other board members as well as the management team, I assume. Exactly. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, again, my name is Reza. It's been a pleasure being your host, Howie and Suyen. Thanks so much, Reza. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Before we close, as a reminder, show notes are available on the link in the episode description. So do click through to get a summary and related resources. We hope you liked the episode as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. And if you did, please do spread the word about our podcast and take a second to rate us five stars. Thank you for joining us today. This was Belinda with the XA Podcast. See you next time.